Hey everybody, today's episode is with a friend of mine named Tim Stevens. Tim happens to be an associate pastor at our church, but he's also a really good friend of mine. And uh, so he and I talked today. We can be kind of silly in person, and so there was no difference today when we were sitting in front of microphones. So uh, we just had a good time, and his testimony is great. And uh, what God's done for him is amazing. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. You're listening to the Beyond the Pew with Rev. John podcast. So everybody calls me Tim. Almost nobody calls me Timothy, and it's weird for people to call me Timothy. But um, most people just call me Tim. But there's like two or three people in my life that's known me since I was a kid that still calls me Timmy. Those are the only two, maybe three people in my entire life that calls me Timmy. Like nobody else. Not even during high school did anybody call me Timmy or nothing like that. I'll never call you Timmy. Because if I do, I'll be like, Timmy! (laughs) Well, that did happen a lot when I was in school, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad, you know. But I guess we can just since this is so weird, not preparing anything, not preparing a thing. No, nah, it's so strange. You, you want to just like um, I have one question. Oh, by the way, I'm recording already, so okay, we're going to do this one totally different. I'm with Tim Stevens. Is it V or PH? PH. Okay, Stephens. 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 Yeah. I wonder what the origin is and the difference between the two. I'm sure that it was just like the church where it's like this bunch got mad at this bunch and they're like, no, I, we're breaking the V off and it's going to be a PH from this point forward. Did I tell you about the Justice family back where I'm from? Nuh-uh. Okay, so there's Just Ice, like spell like Justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E, Justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E. And then there's the Just Us, J-U-S-T-U-S. And both of those spellings of the word name justice are somewhat common. But the reason that it happened there is because they got mad and they changed the spelling to just, it's just us now. So that's really, I'm sure (laughs) it was something like that. And I can only trace my family back so far. And we was in like the no man's land in between Texas and Louisiana. And that's as far as I can trace it back. So I'm sure generations ago we did something illegal and then went to the no man's land and then just changed our name from the v to the ph if i had to guess that's what i would guess it looked like because my family's a well not all of them's outlaws there's some yeah. good people in there just yeah. a rough bunch of folks man so tim is the associate pa- you've been at when did they announce you and larry co-associate pastors that's been a while hasn't it yeah at Crossway. i should have probably wrote that down i don't know when it was I'm sure that somebody wrote it down. It's, been, it's not been a year. No, uh-uh. And you worked, uh, when I first met you at church in 11, is when we moved here. Yeah. Uh, we 
probably talked, but we really got to know each other because we were on the praise team together. Yeah, that was that was in January of 2013. That the praise team thing started. Yeah, yeah, because I had I had so, been on the praise and worship team from like 04 until 2010, and I like kind of uh, was it Wednesday night or first service drummer or what was that? What what was your role in the? So when I started drumming, it was one service in 2004, and I was the drummer, and then it changed to two service, and I drummed for both services, and then, man, God God blessed me, man, I was able to learn the guitar and the bass and stuff, and I just kept expanding and everything with that, and I ended up, I ended up playing bass and drums and guitar for both services, and we went to three services, and then it was bass guitar drums for all three sometimes it would be three different instruments per service just wherever i was needed and then in 2010 i got married and we had our oldest son and i just kind of pulled back and tried to figure out how in the world to be a husband and a dad because i had no idea so i tried to (laughs) figure all of that out and um and then in 20 2012 I started kind of getting back in there and starting trying to play and stuff again just as needed and then 2013 I was like hey Tim I want you to come play the drums for six weeks and that turned into like yeah year six years, years. Yeah. oh yeah yeah well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, for up, me being on there. yeah so what happened was the second service um turn my phone bring it off I thought I did that already uh, the second service had the praise and worship team and, and the pastor, or they stepped down or whatever. They So they asked Jeff, who was the drummer for second service, mm-hmm. Maddox, who's definitely one of the coolest guys, you know, like at the time. I, was, yeah. I mean, he's still cool. Yeah. Like, he's just so, his drumming ability was amazing. Then he starts playing guitar, and I'm like, Hey, this guy's good, and he started singing. I'm like, hey, this guy's good at that too. And yeah, and then he opened his mouth and sang, and it was like, oh my goodness, yeah, it's like this guy. Go. And and so he and I had done a lot of like, you know, because our kids were playing all the time. We'd go over there, and, and you know, we'd because he has that studio set up at his house at the time. I don't know if he still does or not, but um, mm-hmm. we would sing and I'd harmonize. And so, and then Miss Pat, who's your mother in law, who is. Uh, Basically, the leader of the first service, uh, I was talking to her one night on like a Wednesday night and was kind of wasn't trying to convince her to let me sing or anything, but just the way I was talking about how I grew up singing and everything. And she asked me one night if I wanted to come up there and sing with them. And I was like, shoot, yeah, you know, like, yeah, my mom says uh, that she'll uh, sing at the drop of a hat and she'll drop a hat to sing. So I'm the same way. I love it. You know, so. And so I did that for a little while, and then when Jeff uh, asked me to help with that that six weeks, same six weeks, uh, I was like, I jumped on. I was like, shoot, yeah, let's go, you know. And it was great. It was like I was so dreading it when it was over because I thought, you know, this. I mean, I want to keep doing this. And then they said, hey, we're going to keep going like this, and I was like, let's do it. And you were playing the drums. Ross was on guitar. Jeff was singing. Dwight. Parker was the piano player yeah. at, the, at the beginning, Noah on the bongos, and then was Russ 
playing the bass yeah, at the first? Yeah, it was, it was Russ, but it was like baby Russ, not yeah. six foot five Russ. It was <laughs> five foot two Russ yeah. that started playing. Yeah, he's, what, how tall is he? Like six, six? Six, four, six, five, uh, something like huge, that. He's, yeah. <laughs> but he's it, I mean, now. yeah, his dad's tall too, so that's part of it. But the, anyway, so that's how we got to know each other and laughing and, I remember, you know, just being able to turn around, look at you, and get you laughing, and in the middle of worship, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I tried to. Um, Caitlin always told me that's my wife. Caitlin always told me that um, I have a real mean face, which I do. Like naturally, the corner of my mouth turns down, so it always looks like I'm frowning unless I intentionally smile. So when I'm back there and I'm focusing on playing the drums and stuff, I kind of just lose my face. And I'm I'm happy the whole time. I'm really excited about what I'm doing, but my face says otherwise. Don't ever look at me, you know. <laughs> no, and I mean, it only takes 15 seconds of talking to you to realize that it's not you. That's not your personality. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, what, uh, I can get cranky sometimes. Oh but yeah, yeah. But we all can. Yeah. But with you, it's um, it's really cool that. Over over the years. By the way, that's his boys in the background you're hearing. So, yeah, they're doing their best to stay quiet. I mean, this is really good. Hey, we're only seven minutes in, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, over the years, even if we go without seeing each other for a couple months at a time, or even when you went to Puerto Rico for a year, man, we didn't see each other for a long time, and it was it's man, we just catch back off right where we left off you know and um that that's that's really nice to have like hey oh, yeah. there's my friend jonathan let oh, me go yeah. give him a hug and yeah and then pick up and that's right what where it we was. left off and the hug thing because pastor kenneth smith had this sermon one time <laughs> and he talked about in the sermon about the proper hug that men should give one another and that is well, not necessarily well, that's what the he proper said. hug. It that, was more but like he he got Kevin Coward up there to demonstrate <laughs> the proper hug, and it was it was the hug that um, every guy's give to still be um, loving masculine. yet masculine. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> but, picking on it. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. Cause, yeah. But it was a handshake. The hand stays connected in between you. You bump chest and you tap the back twice. Boom, boom, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, then let him go. And and that is that is James Thompson to a T. He when he hugs you, that's what, I mean, that's it. And his hand is five times the size of my hand. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> and he's he's a solid half a foot taller than oh, I man. am, also. And um, he's a yeah, big he's, he, awesome he's, guy. he's a big guy. And then, so me and you. I grew up in the Church of God. I grew up in a very like different style of church when it comes to certain things like that. And hugging somebody was just that's what you do, you know. Um, you hug guys you love. And when I was a kid, now this is where it gets crazy. When I was a kid, I remember the older men would, when they would hug another guy, they'd kiss him on the cheek. Okay. And and then when they do that to you too, they get a little kiss on the cheek, and you think, ah, oh, what, you know? But that was the holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and and 
And and I always liked it when people talk about we're full gospel and say, okay, well, let's preach these five verses that talk about greet one another with a holy kiss and watch you back up a little bit. You'd be crawfishing, you know, like, because you're not going to, you know, what does that mean? What is it, you know, so. But you and I, I mean, it was, it was our friendship was such that I'm just going to give you a hug because I love you. And, and, and that's how, for me, there's a few people. There's uh, growing up, there's Preston, Shirley, there's Jeb Justice, who's a just us, not just us. Um, and Chris Houston, and there's a few that when I pick up after two, three years of not talking to them, we can just fire right back up, and I don't have to catch up. Oh, how's it been? Yeah. Like, just like Jeff's the same way. Just start talking to him, and and I'm curious what you've been doing, but I don't have to like dig into that because it's not that concern, you know. Like it is if I meet somebody that I haven't that I don't really know, and I hadn't seen them in ten years. I, I'm kind of Lord of kind of sort of having to remember their can't you know their canter and how they talk and stuff like that canter i don't know if that's a word but <laughs> close enough yeah <laughs> but but anyway so you wanted to do one and i wanted you to do one but you i was like what are we gonna talk about and you said nothing let's don't let's not have a subject and that scares me to death because i mean we're just gonna ramble for an hour no who's gonna continue to listen you know like are but, we gonna say anything but here's the reason um, I didn't want to have like a specific subject is because I'm not an expert at anything and I can't like speak as an expert at anything. But nonetheless, I, I, I feel like my story has something to say yeah. nonetheless. And um, man, God's been so faithful to me and throughout my entire life, not just the past five years or 10 years, man, since I was a child, God has been so faithful to me. And, um, but yeah, I wasn't nervous about this until today. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we don't have nothing to talk about. <laughs> and then I got nervous on the drive over here. I was like, what are we going to say for an hour? I have well, no I know, idea. I know we'll be fine. I had a question. I texted you last night. I got a question and maybe that'll fire it off. So, okay. um, I don't know. I, maybe when we was on the praise team together, um, you, one of us was singing the song and the other one knew it and it was kind of a, like why do you know that song it was nirvana's in the pines right okay so <laughs> <laughs> and i knew that song growing up because bill monroe sung that song and it was a bluegrass you know and then i hear you singing it i believe that's what it was and i'm like hey you like bluegrass no i like nirvana like you know but you're way too young to have listened to nirvana when it was whenever in 94 when he died so that would have, I mean, I was a freshman in high school when he died, April 94. So how old were you in 94? Four. So you, you, how how do you know that song? Because that, by the way, that song was only on the Unplugged album. It was never on any other album. I so, looked that up. so the beautiful thing about teenagers and youth group, man, <laughs> and, and this is, I'm a firm believer that God can make anything bad and turn it into good. So me and a guy named Mikey Gerald and Josh Reeves, for one whole summer, we played Smells Like Teen Spirit over and over and over again. I played the drums, Josh played guitar, and Mikey played bass. And me and Mikey were not that very, not that good at our instruments. But over that summer, we played... Um, Smells Like Teen Spirit over and over and over again for an entire summer, all weekend long. 
we perfected that song, and then we went into singing. Or but that, that, that wasn't at youth group, though. That was just no. On that our was own. at yeah. That was just on Wait. our own. But we met in youth group, and we ended up playing in a praise and worship team together because we had played so much over one summer. We got really good at like looking at each other, like where are we going next, and stuff like that. You, and Josh, and who? Mikey. Mikey. Gerald. I've met him once. Uh, his yeah, his mom. It's Miss Margaret. Miss Margaret, and mm-hmm. she's got the little boy that's Chandler. Chandler, that's right. So there's a big age gap between Mikey and Chandler. I, yeah. I remember meeting. Okay, I remember this story, but it's been a long time. So and um <laughs> and then in the pine, I just heard it one day, and it just stuck with me. Because you're like, from singer or from Rose Pine, where there's pines everywhere. Yeah, so. everywhere. It's probably what it was. And right now. My kids are in the living room next door, or the next room over. If I start singing that song right now, they'll finish the song because I sing it so much. That song has been stuck in my head for 15 years now, just stuck for 15 years. And I've even expanded it, and I'll go from In the Pine with Nirvana singing it to um, to Hank Williams. Oh, I forgot the song. Hank Williams. I saw the light. No. No, it's not. <laughs> That's his song, though, by the way. I'm so lonesome I could cry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll go from In the Pine to I'm so oh, lonesome yeah. I could cry. That's a pretty easy transition. Yeah, it is. So I sing that song at my house all the time. And every time I fill up a bottle of water in my refrigerator i can sing in the pine and go to i'm so lonesome i could cry and it's the perfect amount of time yeah. to fill up my fill up my water bottle that's and a so long every time. time yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get another refrigerator <laughs> get a new oh. filter on it well it's like a quart jar <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> i'm so lonesome I... yeah in the pines okay so the, and you said that one time and i was looking it up I'm thinking that was Bill Monroe's song, you know, but it wasn't even his song. That song was written in like the 1800s, like a folk song. So like, there's all kinds of people who. And who's I didn't even that. know all of that. Yeah. I just knew it from Nirvana, that unplugged album or yeah. what have you. And back when MTV years, did music, yeah, ten, twelve years after it originally came out from them, and that's when I heard it. And so you had older brothers and sisters. I assume that's where you heard it from. No, I man, assume you they, heard it from them. They were, um, they were into like. Like um, like Spice Girls what? and and, <laughs> and um, my sisters was a lot and country man we constantly had country on at the house like Indian Outlaw and stuff like that <laughs> you know see what's funny is because you're I'm actually your your brothers and sisters age more than you know like cause how old are you I'm 29 oh I'm 40 so yeah and so you were born in 78 yeah. The very and, end of the year. And that's right in between both of my sisters. One of my sisters was born in 77, one in 79, and then my brother in 82. So even, and my parents were older, you know. My parents were born in 1950 and 1953. So even being, I know I'm, I was people that's my age you know i was i grew up around them but my parents had like a different philosophy of raising me than yeah their parents did and my brothers and sisters influenced me a lot and yeah you know i always i get along with people that's 10 years older than me a lot i'm better at getting along with people my age now but like during high school and stuff like that i always 
kind of, I guess, lean towards people that were older than me instead of people that were my age. I think I'm the same way in that regard because my, um, you know, I, my mom, well, I'm gonna get the dates right. My mama was 29 when my mom was born and my papa was 13 years older. All four of my grandparents were raised during the Depression, and so that impacted how they raised their children, which impacted how they raised and how we were brought up. You know, so I've always said that there's that you can see that disconnect between kids who were raised or kids whose grandparents were Depression era and who wasn't. And and that's and there's that's a big difference in the way those kids act. If their grandparents was survived the Depression, that has an impact on how they are raised directly yeah. through them or through their, their parents. You know, this is my grandma was born in 1919 in Fullerton. Like that place don't even exist no I know. more. Five thousand uh, people at one point. That's insane. I mean, now it's just a pond. That's all that's out there. Just like Singer, man. Singer, you. At one time, Singer was the largest town west of the Mississippi in the state of Louisiana. That's insane. It was bigger than that's Lafayette, Lake Charles, Natchitoches, Alexandria, and Shreveport. I didn't even know that. I knew they yeah. had like a two-story school at some two-story point. high school. Yeah. I mean, not a two-story school, but a two-story high school. That means that they had a bunch of people there. They didn't have to have two classes. Back in the 1800s, um, Louisiana had a town called Oakville. It was like half size of the Yeah, it was the, a lot of, yeah, he's saying that back in the 1800s, uh, Louisiana was the territory. Had to, but it was like you was talking earlier about the no man's land. A lot of people don't understand that the Louisiana Purchase wasn't all of Louisiana. It was. A very, it was the western part. A very small amount of current today Louisiana yeah, was a part of Louisiana true. Purchase. So you had what was between that line of the Louisiana Purchase and the Texas line. In between those was considered no man's land. So a lot of outlaws came here and hung out because there was it wasn't Texas, it wasn't United States. It was just kind of in the middle. It wasn't even a territory. It was just no man. So yeah, a man with no country right there. <laughs> yeah. The so that's why they always uh, Pastor Kenneth always talked about. That's why the people around here are so rough because. And that might be true. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Southern people are just rougher in general, though. Actually, I, I read an article about that, how, you know, we'll love you. We'll love you a lot, but... We'll talk about you behind your back when you leave. Cut us off, and we might throw something at you, you know? <laughs> that that kind of kind of stuff. But. One guy always said, when we was getting ready to leave California and head back to the South, the guy said, oh, everybody's so nice in the South. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll stand there on the sidewalk and talk about how your mom's doing stuff like that. But as soon as you walk away... <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> they'll be like, did you know what he did the other day? Like, did they, let me let me gossip about that guy. So, yeah, it's kind of backhanded, you know. At least in California, if you walk up to somebody and you say hi and they just look at you and they walk away, you, they're not going to talk bad about you. They're just going to be like, that guy talked to me. <laughs> like, okay, what's that all about? So, yeah. you know, that... And I've, because I've lived in both, I can say that, and I can I can get away. with I it. haven't lived in both. I've mm-hmm. lived in Louisiana my whole life, which I like the people around here. Oh yeah, for the mm-hmm. most part. And then people yeah. always ask me if I like it. I like I like the people, not the area. Oh really? You don't like this area? No. Oh no mountains. It's hot. Oh no mountains. It's all about it's the hot people. in Georgia. Not in North Georgia. Oh, uh, it's not. North Georgia's where uh, the county motto of Raven County is where spring spends the summer. Oh yeah! Wow. I thought it was just hot there all the time. No, it's South Georgia. That's like Louisiana. It's the same thing. 
Well, now I understand Except they have bull peanuts down there. They don't have bull peanuts here. No, they don't. They have do, but they're not no good. <laughs> I mean, that's just um, insane to get a good peanut, and instead of roasting it, you just go and boil it for that's six so hours, man. So good. Pressure cooker right there would do it in like 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Instapot's nice. So <clears throat> you had older parents. I did. And older siblings. And so were you a oops? Or do you know? I was. My mom said I was her favorite. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my dad was forty and my mom was thirty seven when I was born. You know, they had been my closest sibling to me is eight years older than I am. They they were done, done. Yeah. And then and here I came along. It's like, no, you wasn't. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's that happened. So you have to be careful. I couldn't imagine. I was. Uh, I'm 40, and Andrew will be, Andrew's five, so I was 35, I guess, when he was born, so I couldn't imagine how people like Simon Cowell and all those celebrities and David Letterman had their first kid at, like, 55. It's insane. I'll have all my kids out of the house by the time I'm 55, so. So I had my kids at, I was 20 and 22, and so when I'm. When I turn 40, 40, yeah, you should have them go. Uh, my youngest one will be 18. <laughs> yeah. And I See know ya. that's 11 years away from me, but I'm like, Caitlin, what are we going to do after that? That's a whole nother life. Yeah, that's I the mean, point. that's a long time. Uh, she was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. That's okay, right. that's fine. We'll just figure it out then. But yeah, I think about that now. I'm like, oh my goodness, I only have 11 more years. And I, I, yeah. I got to take advantage of. All this stuff. Well, how old know? is uh, Ben? Ben is... What, how are you going to ask me? He's seven. Hey, Ben, how old are you? <laughs> he's he's, he's looking at his phone. He don't care. <laughs> <laughs> seven. So you, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, I have five, so it's a little harder for me to keep up with. I don't do pretty good, though. I don't forget birthdays that much. I don't. I don't really forget any of them. Isabel's one time, I didn't realize it until two days before that her birthday was coming up, and it upset me that I'd let it get that close. So, so out of all your kids, Isabel's the only one that I remember her birthday. Yep, April 4th. Yeah. It's just because Jasper is November the 4th, and that's how I remember it. The rest of them, I have no clue when their birthday is. I know one of them was born in February, I think. Josiah, day before yeah. like, uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, I remember that, but that's that's... That's all I got, man. Yeah, and uh, it, Peyton just turned 15 and on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. You know what? I even told her happy birthday, and I don't You just don't that. know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Um, I was just thinking about, like, I was talking to Billy Clark one day, and we recorded an episode, and it just didn't work. It, the sound was just horrible. And he wasn't prepared, and I wasn't. I was just, you know, rambling and and like I do. Um, so we just deleted it. And then he said that I need to talk to you about your testimony. And I've heard your, I'd heard your story somewhat, but had never, never put it into the mind of a testimony. You know, like because yeah, you know, does that make sense? Because you oh, yeah, can know somebody's makes- story. But or at least parts of the story, but then you don't hear it in a testimonial context because you, you could be so close to somebody. And even it's my story, and I can't 
until I was older, I couldn't put it into a testimonial context either. It was yeah. weird for me. I'm like, well, shoot, yeah, God, God, He was faithful. How about yeah. that? You know, and you don't you don't think about it as you're going through it until you turn back around and it's like, oh yeah, God's been faithful for all these years to me. You know, and that's why I encourage people all the time. You know, even. Even if you can't think of anything, go ahead and turn around and look at your life. I guarantee you there's something there. There's a, there's a testimony there, you know. You just got to turn around and and think about it a little bit and give God the credit for the stuff that his, he's done inside of your life. Yeah, you got to, every time that car is about, almost pulls out, but don't, you know what I'm saying? That car almost pulled out, but it didn't. If oh, it yeah, would have... If it would have, then what? You know, you got to be thankful for that. You know, you yeah. thank you, Lord, that didn't happen. You know, because that yeah. could have that could have been really bad for maybe not me, but for them. And then now I got to think about that for the rest of my life because was I speeding? Could I could have could I have slowed down? And all those, you know, now you don't have to think about that because God takes care of us. And 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 even with me, because the story that my story is so was so hard to live through. And it was so crazy in, in spots. But then uh, I met a guy in, when I worked in Singer who's... You got to who, say it right, Singer, man. Oh, yeah. No, Singer's in Texas, S-A-N-G-E-R. This is Singer. Singer. <laughs> I'm not going to say Beauregard. I, gotta, I can't even say Beauregard. it. <laughs> I can't even say it. It's Beauregard. Uh, uh, I met a guy when I was working in Singer that uh, who shielded his sisters and took a two-before to the back from his dad and like four or five licks and kept his sisters from getting hit. And he was like 10 hmm. and the guy that ra- wound up taking them and raising them showed up, caught it happening and was a Marine buddy to the guy that saw him beating his kids and took him out right there in the yard, got the kids in the car and then left. And the guy never called back. He's like, he knows he's Russ has got his kids, but he didn't ever call. So they just went over there and, and stayed there and then wound up moving to Vegas, like from Tennessee, took his kids because, and here's this kid who's got, you know, emotional and physical wounds from taking care of his sisters who are older than him. And I hear that story and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to tell my story because that's, that's not. What that guy went through, what you went through, I'm done. I quit. Well, you, <laughs> like, you, you hear about all these stories that are, I don't know, man, stuff like that. Or, um, and God's, God's delivered me from drugs, which are, I believe that God can do that. And that's amazing things. And somebody that, um, that has a story of, um, and God's been faithful to me and people are less, um, less apt to go ahead and tell their story because it's it's not grand but man god is grand and when we're able to step out of our comfort zone and actually give our testimony and our story and tell somebody the things that god has done for us in our life man there's power in that and there's there's people who can relate to you and me and anybody else listening to this podcast when you get out and actually tell your story of what God has done for me inside mm-hmm. of my life, you know. Yeah, I mean, and and you could have the the person on who's 
you know, drugs and and all that kind of stuff, prison and all that, and somebody listens and goes, whoa, that's crazy. And then you can have somebody on with a much, what we would assume calmer testimony, mm-hmm. yeah. and that have more of an impact on certain people because it's more of what, some little comment that they make about how their mom might have made them feel or their dad might have made them feel might just nail them to the wall as exactly what they're going through. So it is important to tell your story. And I, I think that most people don't tell it. And I mean, I can tell you pieces of what I went through. I, my parents divorced, uh, whatever, you know, just so much. Uh, but divorce is almost like you try to tell your people, Oh, my parents got divorced and I had a rough and now everybody's parents was divorced. So like, so, <laughs> you know, like it's, what's the deal, you know, like, but the, uh, it's, it, but I think that you only get pieces of it out. You don't ever really get to tell the full thing. You don't ever really get to, to dive into the full impact of what your testimony is. And when you, and I've, I was telling the story about, um, I'll tell it quickly. Uh, when I was in the Navy, we pulled into Astoria, Oregon and, when the the ship ties off to the pier, it was in a river, so it was a little. They were like, it's, it's not just like a bay where the water ain't flowing. This is in a river, so you have to be a little more cautious when you're mooring up, and and so we tied it up, and our our line was line five, and it was facing forward, and the one of the biggest fears in the navy is that the lines will snap and break, and then come back like a, and just chop everybody up i mean it can take limbs it can i mean it's it's very dangerous well, i've never thought about that Sna- one time that snap back seem very scary oh uh, snap back and don't lean on the lifelines because you can fall off the lifelines is like the fence that goes around it you know like don't lean on them and and stay out of that zone of 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 that line snapping and so and all of a sudden the ship started backing up we were tied up and so lines one Lines two or lines like lines one, three, and five just stretched out really big, and then the other ones went really slack because it was going backwards. And there was I was so mad that whoever did it didn't get in trouble. You know that was what I was saying. Oh, they're going to sweep out under the rug. It was some officer made a mistake, and they're not going to do it. But really, I was mad because I knew that if that would have snapped, I would have died and gone to hell. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I didn't think about it at the time because the devil was able to put that in me but also block that that realization of what it was. But let the when the anger built up, it made it about that, not about I almost died with hell, you know. Yeah. And you look back, like you said, you look back at those situations. I, I remember the guy's name was Cesar Malpica. He was a bigger guy, and me and him was just – I was trying to get him out of the way, and – and that's all I could, you know, I was just aggravated. But it was really all back to that very thing of I almost died with hell. So what I do, I just went to bar and drank, 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 yelled at the XO because <laughs> I was so drunk. I did. I mean, I there were like, all my buddies were like, shut up, you're going to get in trouble. I'm like, somebody ought to get in trouble for that. And it's going to be me because I'm yelling at the XO. Yeah. That's but I'd exactly had too many to drink. It was, be. <laughs> it was you. Yeah. But like me in my life, so my, um, so it was it was four of us, and I'm the the closest one to my age was, 
was my brother and he's still eight years older than I am and my dad was diagnosed with ALS when I was six and so over the next two years I watched like my dad you know construction worker you know every kid thinks their dad is like the strongest biggest you know burliest man ever and I watched that guy from a six-year-old lens go from construction worker to wheelchair being fed you know he couldn't hold up his own head couldn't lift his hands and everything like that over the next two years and then he uh, then he passed away when I was eight and it was just me and my mom and my oldest brother my only brother not my oldest brother (laughs) my only brother my sisters they were married and moved off and stuff and they was trying to have kids of their own and everything and then not too long after that my brother left so it was just me and my mom I don't know I guess I was nine or ten at that point and um I I grew up in a in a different house than my brothers and sisters did but my mom was really my mom was chill like you know, here's the rules. Don't break the rules, or you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get a whipping and stuff. But it's there wasn't a whole lot of yelling or going on at the house. Nothing like that. You know, my mom was closer. She'll 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 throw a shoe at you. But you know, <laughs> that's when you pushed her to past the point of breaking and like, okay, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. But um, and then it was just me and my mom, and it was it was it was good and everything. But then. I was 13 and my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and which is it's heavy for for anybody but like 13 year old me I I couldn't I couldn't process that stuff it's like what is going on you know you almost feel like you're I don't know, like cursed or something. Yeah. Like, why is this happening to me? That's a really selfish way to look at it. But no, I mean, you're 13. Nobody yeah. expects anything to <laughs> It's 13 year old 13, trying to 40, process. same thing. Yeah. You know? and, um, and so in the middle of that, we started going to the church that we go to now. And I grew up in like a, a backwoods, I say backwoods Baptist church. I mean, it was the church. What's it called? It was Cypress Creek Baptist Church, and it was, um, man, it was it was a small church. It was literally in the backwoods of Rose Pine, like, like going Providence out side towards, or no, going way. out towards Evans, okay. going out towards Knight Community in Evans, little bitty tiny church, and it had uh, through infighting, it ended up like splitting, and no. <laughs> yeah, no, never would have happened. And um, and we started going to the church that we go to now, and that 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 place was such a was such a good fit, and it's man when the church gets out and when Christians are Christians and man they tell their story and they love, it can make such a difference in somebody's life, and I know that it did for me in my life. Um, different people that that don't even know that they had an impact on me and my life you know where they they we went on a mission trip to mexico and this guy showed me how to use a saw 
My dad passed away when I was eight. I didn't know how to use a saw. That has impacted my life for um, 15, 16, 17 years now because I didn't know how yeah. to do that before that point. And I'm thankful for that moment. Um, or even, hey, they're picking me up. I was like, hey, Tim, let's go, let's go do whatever and just hang out with me. And they showed me how to build a porch or... We'll just sit here for now and we'll put it up in a few minutes. That's nice. That is nice. Like, hey, Tim, come with me. Let's show you how to build a porch. Okay, I don't know how to build a porch. Yeah, let's go build a porch. Here's how to use a chainsaw or a weed eater and stuff like that. And people, it seems so simple and so yeah. so small and minute, but it, that made a huge impact on my life. And that's... And so it's something so small that was done for me, and I would love to see that done for somebody else. But my mom, we, we started going to that church that we go to now, and, um, dude, it was like. You want something to drink, buddy? Okay. We can pause it. Church, go to the church we go to now. Yep. special cups right there grape soda Ben is a um, orange soda grape soda strawberry soda that's a you don't oh well, grape soda and orange soda they don't have knee highs here do they you want some yeah no knee high it's just like crush or yeah there's there's that stuff around here Shasta man Shasta cream soda is yeah, wonderful. Shasta's, I don't like cream sodas. I love Shasta cream soda. I'm not a cream soda guy. I am a root beer person. <clears throat> if I had to I choose. I like root beer. <clears throat> so y'all went to that church. Are we back? Yo, I didn't stop. I'll, oh, I'll, you I'll cut it out. Oh, okay. I know how to edit, so That's I might amazing. not. <laughs> I might just let it go. No, so we um, we was going to that church, man, and just the smallest little things made a huge difference inside of my life. And uh, Pastor Kenneth was pastor then. Pastor Kenneth was a pastor, and Brother Vic was actually the youth the youth okay. pastor at that point. And um, so, how old were you at this point? Thirteen. Okay, so was this before or after your mom? This was. Um, so you said thirteen. She was diagnosed. Yeah. Okay. So it was like. I feel like we started going and then she was diagnosed or she was diagnosed and we started going. It was like... Back to back. Yeah, so close. And I think we started going to the church and then she was diagnosed not long after that. And, um, and you know, going, watching my mom go through chemos and surgeries and more chemos. And, um, man, and really trying to 
pray for my mom and have faith and not even completely understanding 13 year old me not even completely understanding what it was I'm praying for or or faith in general yeah you know I'm 13 year old trying to grasp all of this and I I always always believed in God and always believed in Jesus and I just you know trying best I can to you know straighten myself up and square my shoulders and be this brave yeah guy and stuff like this for my for for my mom and trying that and when I was 14 man she was she was cancer free and it was like whoa this is awesome this is amazing but wasn't a couple years later actually three years later to the date almost she was diagnosed with bone cancer and I was like okay we we can't we can just give her medicine to like we can't make this go away but we can give her medicine to to keep it contained and she did that and uh, for one year she took that medicine to try to keep it contained and it didn't keep it contained and so January 1st 2009 I was 18 and my mom passed away so I was like my dad passed away when I was eight and then my mom when I was 18 I was like oh my goodness what am what am I going to do you know it was like I was so I was so lost and everything and again God is so faithful and in the moment I never I never saw how faithful God was in the moment but looking back something I can do now look back and see man this person showed up at the right time and this person spoke into my life at this point and this person you know come and just sit with me and listen to me vent and cry and snot and do whatever but and 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 looking back on it now i can see man just how faithful god is this random person that i hadn't seen in five years shows up to the house and was like hey tim how are you doing let's let's sit down and talk and and even through all of that people people at our at our church and other churches the people that just knew us um knew me man they was they was constantly reaching out but going in the moment, I never felt like I was, you know, overcoming some some great demon in my life or nothing like that. You know, I was just trying to deal with what was going on and trying to take a next step forward. And then, uh, you know, my life, it, um, I started dating my wife when I was 19 and then when we were 20. We got married and had my had my oldest son and um and her family is just awesome and and even my mother in law and father in law they're wonderful people and they're probably never even listened to this podcast and I might give it to them like hey y'all gotta listen to this I give y'all a shout out but they're <laughs> such wonderful people yeah. and and um over the years you know they they've been a surrogate mother and father to me not even saying their son-in-law but 
yeah. for Tim, you know, and they're wonderful grandparents to my kids and stuff. But, and so we had Jasper in 2010, and then 2012 we had Ben, and then 2015, and I've actually told this story before, 2015 started off with like so much hope. Me and Caitlin was going to have our third kid, and in <laughs> February of that year, we found out she was pregnant. It was like, awesome, this is, this is going to be so cool. And um, in April, we lost, we lost the baby in April of 2015, which, I don't know, man, you hear, as a guy, I didn't realize how much that would actually affect me. Like, I was, I, I was heartbroken. I didn't even realize I, how much, I don't know, I think about it even till today and, and think about the kid that could have been, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Dude, I was, you still know the due date. You still know how old baby would be now. And yeah, you, like, and 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 actually, the due date was would have been tomorrow, and he or she would have been four tomorrow, potentially. But yeah, and and that's something that me and Caitlin we've thought about for the past four plus years. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to. A lot of guys are really nah, a manly man, but yeah. a miscarriage will mess with a dude. I, I didn't, I've really, because I've never heard a guy talk about this. Yeah, they, like, won't, they won't, be, it, no. because they have to be strong for the women who are suffering. And the women do suffer. When there's, when there's a baby there and then there's not a baby there, women go through that. And I don't, I'm not dis, discounting that. That is real. Yeah. But then men. You know that that's I, a that's just as big of a deal. We don't have the physical part, and I've never gone through that. And but I remember me and Caitlin when we found out, like it was a Friday, and things started going badly, and we went to the hospital, and we heard a heartbeat. Everything was okay. They was like, "Hey, just rest over the weekend. I think everything's going to be fine." And then we went back Monday, and we couldn't find a heartbeat, and just both of our hearts just dropped and I didn't have words and she didn't have words. And, um, <laughs> neither one of us had words. And I remember sitting in a vehicle, we had a Nissan Xterra, black Nissan Xterra. I remember all this part. I, yeah. like, I don't know. Anything and I remember it. turning the vehicle on and me and her just sit in the vehicle and we held hands and cried right there for like 45 minutes we couldn't i couldn't drive i tried to put it in park to go and she was like no let's just stop and that's what we did for like the next 45 minutes to hours we sit right there in that parking lot and just we cried until we couldn't cry any longer and um and finally we got done well not done got to a a point where i could see <laughs> and then we and we started driving home and then we had to tell everybody tell everybody and but we took that hour and tried to process it ourselves before we started trying or to yeah. tell people and and then it started all over again you know and she would call this person and tell them and then that drive from Lake Charles back to Singer which should have taken 40 minutes probably took us a good hour and a half two hours because every time she would make another phone call boom we would hit the side of the road and 
you know, have to gather ourselves before we could keep on driving again. But that was in April. And and this time at the church, what you, what is your role at the church at the time? I'm the youth pastor at the church at the time. So I started I started being a youth pastor in November of 2012. And I I had been the youth pastor Actually, I, I stepped down as youth pastor in June, June of 2018. It's almost six, five and a half years as a youth pastor. But with me and Caitlin are youth pastors at this point, and um, <laughs> which, dude, it's that's heavy, yeah. and and it's stuff that you know not everybody will talk about, but. Both of us are heartbroken. She's heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken because I don't know how to fix her heartbreak. Yeah. And all I want to do is help and fix the heartbreak. You know, same yeah, thing so, yeah. all guys yeah, want to yeah, do. Yeah. It's like, you know, even if you can get the manliest guy, and if he's walking down the street and he sees a little girl crying, he's like, oh, my goodness, what, what's yeah, wrong with you? How can it. I help? Yeah. yeah. And, um. Like right now, if if um, if Izzy came in here and started crying, we would shut down everything yeah, that we're doing. Like, what do you do? What's wrong? What can we do to help you right now? But um, so in in August of that year, we um, August of 2015, after we lost a child in April, we started. Caitlin had a knot come up, and in September 3rd. 2015 she was diagnosed with breast cancer stage three breast cancer stage three stage three it was yeah stage three and it went from and you know there here goes this this thing again of i got a little bit better grasp of faith at that point in my life you know and actually i still have the note we went home and we found out she had stage three breast cancer on a Wednesday. No, on a Thursday. And that Friday, she had to have a port put in, which was the first of many surgeries. And that night, I went home and I wrote on a yellow piece of paper, I wrote, cancer, you have no place in my home, on my wife, on my kids, or on me in the name of Jesus. And I stuck it on my refrigerator and that stayed there for a long time i still have the piece of paper it's just not hanging on my fridge we've moved since then and i stuck it away in a i don't know i'm kind of sentimental so i have all this stuff that i just save over the years like i have random pictures the boys have drew me stuff like this yeah um that he that they draw me and i'll keep it kind of stacked away in my own little stuff but um then she, you know, many, many chemos. So she ended up having like 16 chemos and um, six or seven weeks of radiation. It was like 35 treatments of radiation and major surgeries over the next year. And but she's cancer-free and she's been cancer-free for, for um, a little over three years now, which in the moment of walking through any point inside of my life, man, you don't see 
you don't necessarily see God at work because all no. you can see is the pain, the pain and yeah. the heartache and the sorrow and what can I do to make it better and the why, the why do people get stuck on the why forever? Why did this happen to me? Why is this happening to her and everything else? Until years, until you can take a step back from the situation and look at it and be like, God has been faithful. God has been so faithful for all these years through my dad dying, my mom dying, Caitlin getting cancer. God has been so faithful to me, my wife, my kids, my family. God's been faithful for all of these years, for all of this time. And all of this is part of my story. And it's not that I have some great amount of faith or anything like that. Oh, man, God's just been so faithful. And he's he's been pursuing me just like he'll pursue anybody, anybody. And he's been pursuing me for years and years. And he's so faithful. And if I ever get a chance to tell anybody anything, it's... God is God is more faithful to us than we are to him oh yeah every time and there's an awesome man I wish I could remember who who actually said this quote I can't but it was um circumstances don't determine faithfulness but character does so your your character determines faithfulness and that's God's character for him to be faithful but our circumstance determined just how faithful we are to him yeah. at any given point in time. If it's good, we might be faithful. If it's yeah, bad, yeah, we yeah. might be faithful. If it's, it's right in the middle, we might be faithful. But God's faithful to us, whether it's a hill or a valley or any point in between. God is faithful to us. And if we can, we need to strive in our lives to be as faithful to God as he has is to us in every single circumstance man pray about it in every single circumstance don't move until God says move in every single circumstance inside of your life try to see just how faithful you are to God and see if that even comes close to his and it probably won't no. but it's not look a at it through that him, lens yeah, yeah. And um, in like Numbers nine, you know, the children of Israel, when when the um, when the cloud fell on the tabernacle, the children of Israel stayed in that place, whether it was one day, one month, or one year. That's where they stayed as long as the cloud was on the tabernacle. So, if for us to be faithful to God, man, let's not move until He moves. When He says move, let's move. And whenever He's there in our lives, you know, stay right there and try to dig into his word and yeah yeah you're be right. with him yeah and it's and it's funny because not funny it's not funny that's funny about it i remember when y'all announced that she had cancer uh i was sitting in by that i think i was sitting on the left side or if you're on stage looking to the right side but i was on the left side of the sanctuary and we thought y'all because they said they're gonna make an announcement and so we're like, okay, they're going to step down as youth pastor. That's what I assumed, you know. And y'all got up there and said what you said, that she has cancer. And I was like, that's not what I was expecting. And then and then all I could think about, 
All I could think about was your dad, your mom, now your wife. And not that I believed that it would happen, but all I could think about is now that dad, now mom, now wife is going to go through your head nonstop. And so my entire mission for the next however long it was, was praying that that didn't get in your head. That that was not, I don't, I can honestly say I never prayed for Caitlin one time that entire, because the whole church was praying for Caitlin. Yeah. You know, so like my entire focus was not even on the boys, it was on your, on you and think what you were thinking about, what, you know, the battlefield of the mind trying to help you with that because I know that, that you know, yeah, you go and you write that on the on a piece of paper, and that's that mentality needs to stay there, because as soon as you give in, and you say this is going to take her, and at the same time she says this is going to take me, and whoever else starts saying that, enough people start saying that, then all of a sudden there you're dealing with that. Yeah. Where if you have that faith to say. I stand against this. Ain't gonna happen. I remember I walked up to you, and you probably don't remember this with everything going on. I said, I gave you a hug, and I said, "This is you're not going to lose your wife. Don't don't get caught up in that." And I remember that, and like, and that was, and you talk about the faithfulness, right? And how much God's there. There's everybody's, you know, Hebrews ten twelve or ten twenty five says, "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together." You know that. Part of that is is because of that very reason. Because when you see, when you're in a church setting, when you're in a congregation, whether it's a a big church, small church, whether it's a home group or whether it's a or a mega church or whatever, mm-hmm. having people around you who are like minded in Christ is a support structure unlike you can ever imagine. You, you don't see it every time. You, you see. The I got to go to church. I got to teach. I got to sing. I got to do this. I got to do that. And sometimes it can become very monotonous, and you just—it's—it's it's a job almost, you know. Especially for you now that you're a pay, or you're on staff now, and yeah. you quit your job and now you're on staff, so it, it it can even even more so get that way for you. And but when you can say, "Hey, there's a," you know, we we lose the baby. The people who you never talk to you. I mean, just not because they don't like you, but just because you know there's people in that church that they just as soon as the church is out you look in the you can't find them like they're yeah, like how'd you they're, how'd you sneak out they're like sitting on the start blocks <laughs> like, ready to how run. do you get out that fast like i, I mean of course yeah so but but I those say people the ending prayer at the last of the service all the time and as soon as i say amen if i have anything else to say i gotta be like hey 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 don't leave me <laughs> <laughs> and uh but those people that you don't even talk to are you know, probably could be praying for hours for y'all, and you never know it. You'll never know it, and that's mm-hmm. what you got to love about it. You talk, you look back, and you see that you might hear a story about somebody doing whatever they can. And you know, how many times have you? We had um, uh, there was a couple that we knew that the rent got paid, and that couple thought we paid it, but we didn't. And I found out like. Three years later, four years later, that a a couple from our church who happened to know them snuck in and paid the rent. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's who paid it. And to this day, 
they don't want them to know they did it. You know, so that's what that's you know that's what it's about is having that that unit together of of the church of the body of the of Christ together in a corporate setting where. If you have need, people are going to go and stand up and, and Dude, go to and, the throne for you. And and where where you can where you can lean on each other, where you can cry on each other, where you can hug each other and and just be there for one another in that good times, smile, um, give each other a high five, and in the bad times, cry with each other and lean on each other. Man, that's so invaluable to anything and. And for me to say, I want to see, I want to see Jonathan succeed in whatever he puts his hands to, and and carry that through. And I want to see you get a hold of, of of your faith, and get a hold of, of um, of being fulfilled in your calling. And I want to see you grab a hold. Um, of the word and get into the word and I want to see you grow and I want to see you stand up with your shoulders squared and like Philippians 1 6 being confident of this very thing that he who called he, he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ I want to see I want to see you with your shoulders squared with your head held high being confident in the work that Jesus Christ has called you to do and that you have a purpose, you have a future and a hope. And I want to see, I would love to see that. That's that's an amazing, amazing thing. And, and the local church is a hope of the world, man. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and having, having people with vision for you, even when you don't see the vision, you know, you get caught up in the, uh, it's, like, it's like the sun, right? The sun is, what, a million times the size of the earth. They think they can put a million Earths in the sun. That's how big it is, you know. If but you're you, asking me to no, say that's, you're that's, correct, that's, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the yeah, it's, it's about that. It's like a million Earths can fit in the sun. But then when you standing on the ground, how much smaller you are than the Earth than the sun? But you can take your thumb and you can block the sun out with your thumb. And how much bigger that is, you know. Your your son is way the sun's way bigger than your thumb, but your thumb can stop it, and it's just that's why it's important because the smallest little thing can keep you from where you need to be, and when you have people who are able to say, hey, you know, you you got this, you got my, I, you can have faith for somebody else and and them be healed and them not even have that faith. You know, there's a story where the woman uh, goes to Jesus and he says, your faith. Basically, your faith has made your daughter well, you know. And was she a believer? I don't know. Was she five? I don't know. But it was the faith of the woman that helped heal the little girl of her own daughter. And so, having that mentality around people and having church family and having uh, people who are you know connected in your inner circle and is is so. I think it's important. I think it's super important to have that. that I think it is, and even even. To the point, and and I'm sure people's been offended. Anybody that listens to this podcast has been offended before. But if you got Wait, somebody, yeah, give me a minute. Anybody can be offended. But if you got somebody that's close enough to you, that'd be like, hey, maybe maybe let's look at it at a different point of view and 
you know, to help you talk through a situation that you've done yeah. got inside of your yeah. head so much, you know. And you've had a full conversation yeah. and you haven't even talked to <laughs> You haven't talked yeah. to anybody, yeah. but somebody could be like, wait, um, I'm not going to say who it was, but um, I had a conversation with somebody and they were they were upset with me. And I'm like, you're, you're upset with me over something that you've never actually said out loud. So, <laughs> yeah. I've never said, I've never argued with you about any of this because we've never had this conversation. Yeah. So let's have this conversation and see where we can come to a middle ground at. And it worked out just fine, but they had, they had, they had gotten inside of their heads so much that they, you know, they, I was the enemy and they, yeah. were, the, they were the knight in shining armor <laughs> riding on a horse. You know, it's like, wait a second. How We've never you? had this conversation yeah. before, you know. Yeah. But when you got some, when you got a church body around you, when you got other people you can lean on, other Christians you can lean on, and you can look at something in a different point of view, in a different in a different light, and let somebody else speak into your life, you know. Yeah. And what's cool is to see the you you know, I've always said that. Or of course I'm not the only one to ever say this, but you learn from your mistakes, but you can learn from other people's mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And you can see the faithfulness that God's had in your life. You look back and see it. Yeah. And but it's one of those things where almost like you're more apt to see the faithfulness in other people's lives than you are your own. Yeah. And okay, that's so, where I was forever. Yeah. You can, I, oh God, you took care of them, but then you know, hey, you know, yeah. there's there's an old hymn. Uh, if you grew up in Baptist church, you probably heard it. Uh, count your many blessings, name them one by one. It's been a long time. Count your many blessings and see as God has count your blessings. You know, if you if you really do that, if you really take the minute, and you, I mean, everything from the fact that you woke up, the fact that you woke up with electricity, the fact, well, the fact that you woke up with electricity, (laughs) or uh, you know that that you have a car that you can drive what twenty miles from here to your house or more. Yeah, yeah. It's 20, what, 20. 22 miles yeah, or so? Yeah, something like that. So then you got, think about in, 18, in 1830, for you to come here and have a meeting would it take days yeah. to go here and back. We would have no started on this journey yeah. back in Tuesday or something yeah, like that. to have a to, conversation. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm not going to go. Like, why would I do that? You know, so, you know, and and it's, and it's it is very funny that, that we're, this medium is even here. Um you know, radio was always something that I was interested in, but I, you know, didn't ever pursue it. And then here's this. And I started listening. I listened. The first podcast I ever listened to was Tim Hawkins. I didn't even know he had a podcast. Yeah, it was hilarious. My it's called Potty pod- Breaks. <laughs> my, my very first podcast I ever listened to was um, was Andy Stanley's. Okay, yeah. Um, that was a sermon based one, right? Or is it? Or is it talking? Or or is it's, it? It's talking. It's like he, he was talking about stuff he talks about at Catalyst and stuff like uh-huh. that, like church momentum. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, Rick Warren kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that, but, now I listen to podcasts. I mean, I probably listen to a couple different podcasts a week just throughout my. Well, now it's going to kind of change because yeah. I used to drive an hour to work. I don't drive an hour to work no more. So I guess my podcast is going to listening is going to well, start going downhill see, when i met you as a train conductor yeah and then you go to working at the fort polk and, yes. and then now you're you quit that job last 
Friday. Last Friday. And I'm excited because that means we can get together because I've been basically waiting forever to get up with you because... I even I remember saying well, I'm just gonna have to get you while you're driving through town. Where I sit down and do it, and you're like, "Hey, well, I'm starting a new job, and I won't be able working on Fridays." And I said, "Well, perfect, because I don't work on Fridays either." So we get together and we'll see this. how many people actually listen to this, whether or not we ever do this again. <laughs> and, but uh, Tim Perko is like, "We we ought to sit down and just do one." I'm like, "I gotta get a good base first because people will just turn it out like." And I, I don't know. I don't know. This is one of the cool things that a conversation that's on this can be picked up. Like that one I recorded this morning, which I'll probably release this one next week, um, from Salvation Army. It was so cool because, I mean, we all know that the Salvation Army exists. Mm-hmm. We all know that they ring bells on at Christmas. But what do they do? Yeah. Most people have no idea. I it started in the no 1860s in England. Oh, and its that. entire mission was helping poor people eat, helping drunks get out of being drunks. They they help. They do so much. It's insane. And it makes me want to go ring a bell for a, a day. You know, yeah. like, how, how can I volunteer for the kingdom? You know, they do great things. And, and uh, so... That one, I think, you know, it's only like 45 minutes. People will listen to that one, and then hopefully they'll catch on And I don't know. We'll How see. long are we at right now? Uh, about hour and 10, but oh, I'm going to have to edit. Bad. I'm going to have to edit some out because of the <laughs> break and all that. But, uh, you know, that that's what I knew we could probably go two or three hours easy. And, yeah. I, and I'm still learning this. I'm probably going to change the name of the podcast at some point. By the way, your wife is the one that created the logo, which is kind of cool. Um so for people cool. for people who are listening, if She's you can see a that really logo, talented person, man, I got to redo it. I'm dropping Rev John. I think I already did yeah. off Facebook. So because I'm not Rev John, nobody calls me that except in Puerto Rico. You know, so my name's Jonathan, <laughs> not <laughs> Jonathan, not John. <laughs> it's Jonathan. <laughs> Beyond the view with John and Tim. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> if we can meet every week, I'd be all about it. You know, we, but yeah. see, like with the Mennonite guys in January, we're going to meet up with them. Um, Church of Christ. I'm trying to get up with the Baptist folks, and and hopefully after the first of the year, I can start doing the denominational stuff. Up part of it. Um, you know, I got. I've been waiting for people to help me out with that, the beginning of that conversation with denominations, and and everybody's been helping with that, and so uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun, you know, sitting down talking to people, and 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 testimonies is a big part of it because I want people to have the opportunity to say what they've. I don't think I don't think you ever going to be able to give your entire full testimony more than maybe what ten times in your whole life. Yeah, maybe. So maybe your testimony today, maybe somebody in Vancouver, uh, Washington, or Vancouver, Washington, yeah, there's Vancouver, Washington, I know people live there, Vancouver, Canada, the Canuck fans will will relate because they've had something similar, you know. I, I, I hope that, I hope that me telling my testimony, man, and make people actually look back inside of their, look back on their life and say, man, God has been faithful even though in the moment you don't you might not see how faithful God was to you in your life and after I say my complete testimony out loud I'm like how did I miss God's faithfulness in my life but I never saw it because I was just busy well you're eight and then you're 13 yeah or 18 yeah and, and I never I never seen it until 
further on down the road, you know, it's like you can't see the the forest through the trees or what have you. I couldn't, I couldn't see it, man. But I, I hope in in talking about this, somebody can take a look at look back at their life and actually see God in motion all throughout their life, whether it's something really small that meant a lot to them, or um, or just how God, how faithful God is, man. That's his character. He loves us yeah. and he cares for us and he's faithful. And and saying that he put all of our sins upon Jesus cross Jesus Jesus Christ as he hung upon the cross, man, that that gets said so much inside of the church it kinda loses Yeah, its power, yeah. Its power. But it's really true and it's it's overwhelming and emotional that yeah, he does love me that much. And he I have a future and a hope because of him. And this is this is who I am. I am a child of God. I am I am saved because of him. I'm set free and forgiven because of him. And it's and it's true and it's something you can stand on for your entire life. And if it was just for you, and if it was just for me, he would have still done yeah. it, which is... That's crazy to think Yeah, about, huh? it is. Yeah. I mean, what, there's 350 million Americans today, and they think that and when Jesus died, there's only 250 million people on the whole planet. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they even come up with that, but that's their, no their, that's their guess. And how many people have been alive since? You know, and, so, and we can yeah, get so wanna. caught up in our everyday, day-to-day life that we'd never actually um, give our testimony or something to somebody else that could make a difference inside of their life. Or we get so caught up in, in, um, in being hurt or being offended. Course, there's a truck outside now. <laughs> it's never there. Yeah, being we'll get so caught up with being hurt or being offended that we'll we'll never step into the place that God has called us to step yeah. into. And we might be 55 or 60 before you finally step into it. When you were called to step into that place when you were 30, 25, but you've held on to this for so many years, and um. Jesus is enough yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is enough. And if you can get to that that point and be like, you, you know, Jesus, Jesus is enough. And yeah. if I can if I can take this hurt and stick it um, in my back pocket and pray for pray for um, to be recovered from that and stuff like that and actually start walking where you're where God has called you to be at. Yeah, it's amazing things like Mark twelve thirty and thirty one to love God and love others. Love God and love others. Start doing that inside of your life. Love God and love others. Or um, we all have the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. You know, start building bridges um, that have been burnt and broken down inside of your life. Everybody knows people who's been hurt, who's been hurt by Christians, but through the power of God man start helping build these bridges back that's been broken and busted and burnt down and everything 
God's faithful. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to, we can just close this down. You want to pray for us? Pray for everybody listening? Father, you are so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come together, dear Lord. Thank you for this life that you've given both of us to live, dear Lord, everybody to live. Father, I pray that, dear Lord, I pray that your power, your power just becomes so overwhelming to us, dear Lord. We see you in everything that happens to us, around us. Through us, Father, I pray for everybody that's listening to the Lord that they'll begin having confidence in who you are and your character, Father, just how faithful you are, dear Lord. I pray that we'll turn our feet and our eyes towards you, dear Lord, and start walking towards you and everything that we do, Father. I pray that we begin to fan the flame that's already inside of us, dear Lord, Father, to see something great happen in this country, dear Lord, in our communities, in our cities, dear Lord, in our families. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for restoration. Father, restoration of families and marriages and um, and for bridges that have been burnt and broken, dear Lord. I pray for restoration in the name of Jesus. Father, you are so good, dear Lord. Thank you so much again. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks <laughs> for having it. me, man. Maybe we do this some other time. Come to sing here next time. Might yeah, not have to. Whatever singing. garbage truck just went by, whatever. <laughs> it's not even garbage day. <laughs> you know what? I woke up and cleaned my whole house. I was like, Jonathan's coming. I was so excited <laughs> and everything. And then my lights went out. I was like, dang it. Well, actually, this is battery powered. I just don't have oh, no. I don't have no D batteries. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I was. I was like. Had coffee ready and everything oh. else. I was all excited and stuff. It's com- well, it's not it's even community. It's great value. I can't oh. afford community. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't like community coffees. It's not good. <laughs> it's not. Uh, the guy that I talked to this morning, his uh, he has a coffee shop, and uh, and so I said something about community. He's like, nah. <laughs> but he's in Tennessee, so what does he know? Like he's he's yeah, you know. exactly. So. That's that's like that's like northern territory for people. Uh, down. <laughs> that argument drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they say they said uh, one guy goes, oh, they ever, you know, y'all are Yankees from over there, and I'm like Yankees, like I'm from Georgia, and they're like, yeah, Yankees. I'm like. <laughs> I said, well, I'm just going to say that Georgia was the second or third state to succeed from, secede from the United States and was the last to come back. So you guys were you guys were a part of the union way longer than we were. So I'm like, uh, but anyway, so it's just it's fun. But yeah, anybody from anybody from South Louisiana, you can turn it on. If you like. But anybody from South. Thank you for listening.